Welcome back, welcome back to Leafs Late Night, where it is never too late for the Leafs. I'm your host, Roscoe, joined by Beaner. Oh, shit, I just knocked a coffee cup over. Oh, my God, I just spilled it. I literally just threw my... Oh. Okay, well, I'm going to continue talking while I grab the towel that's behind me, and... Um, we're going to mop that up. So welcome back to Leafs Late Night. It's been a while. <laughs> They're so out of practice that I'm leaving drinks around. Oh. <laughs> you know, here I am. I want to start with something fun. And it's so on, on a lighter note, shit. I just got a message from a friend of mine. She was at the game. And she was wearing a custom jean jacket that she had made up that has Matthews on the back of it. And turns out his whole family was there and saw the jacket and loved it. Yo, that's sick. so. So she ended up getting pictures with the whole family. No way. Oh, yeah. my God. That's awesome. Damn. What are the chances? Actually, um, that reminds me the uh, that Matthews jersey I have that says... Uh, well, you know, that has Matthews on the back of it. It says the buds guy who made yep. it. Casey Bannerman just made one with Nike for Wayne Gretzky that he got to give to him at all-star weekend and get a picture with him. Nice. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. Shout out to uh, Casey Bannerman. Um, I wanted to start with a, a little game and a clip because we haven't done this in a while. Uh, how many NHLers can you name with the first name Connor? Bedard, McDavid, I think there was a Connor McMichael at one point. Four. Three. Uh, Connor Murphy. Four. Connor Brown. Five. Um, off the top of my head, that's Connor Timmons. There. Okay, six. That's probably it, just on, the, on a quick note like that. So would it shock you... To know that with an asterisk adding two O'Connors, you can make an entire line, four lines and two goalies. Okay, if you're including last names. No, no, no. Watch this. Connor Bedard, Connor McDavid, Connor Zary. Logan O'Connor, O'Connor, O'Connor. Okay, just to back up, because I know there's a lot of them here, and people are just listening and not watching. Um, so we've got, first line is Bedard, McDavid, and Zary. Second line, we've got Drew O'Connor, Kyle Connor, and Logan O'Connor. Uh, third line, Connor Bunaman. Okay, he's junior. I don't think that counts, but still, it's a Connor. Uh, we got Connor Graham, Connor McMichael, uh, Connor Brown, uh, well, the, the second line is last names. You have Logan O'Connor. You have Kyle O'Connor. Well, that's what I said. With the, the asterisks of you have an O'Connor and a Connor there. Um, Connor Graham. And then on defense, we've got Connor Murphy, Connor Mackey, Connor Timmons. Um, bu -bu -bu -bu. I'm trying to just scroll through this video here. Connor Clifton, Connor Fetterkow. And oh my gosh, come on. Then you got Connor Hellebuck oh, and Connor Hellebuck. Ingram in that. 
Yeah, so you can, in fact, what's the last one? Lifton, Fedekau. Anyway, yeah. So you can make four forward lines, three defensive lines, and uh, starting and backup goalie of guys, all with the, mostly all with the first name Connor, and two with the last name O'Connor and Connor. So uh, <laughs> if you're listening out there, and you are having a child anytime soon, and you have aspirations for them to be professional hockey players, there is a statistic that uh, maybe the name Connor will help. Yeah, there's there's a chance. Speaking of Connor, we had uh, Mr. McDavid winning the skills competition to absolutely no one's surprise. It's like, um, it's funny, I've been rewatching Community. Did you ever watch it? What, what, Community? Yeah. A handful of episodes. Like, it was okay, but it wasn't, I didn't love it. There's one, uh, an episode where they do the, the Hunger Deans. It's like the Hunger Games. And Jeff has a line where he's like, you know, it's uh, all strength and endurance and agility. It's almost as if you made this competition so that I'd win. And uh, that's what it felt like watching McDavid. It's like, let's make a bunch of things that he's good at and see if anyone can beat him at it. <laughs> but I mean, in other words, he's just good at all of the fundamental skills of hockey at the end of the day. So congrats to him. Um, on the other end of it, we had Kucherov, who was absolutely completely checked out and even got booze from the audience, which I don't blame them for because we talked about it. Those tickets were not cheap. Well, okay. Furthermore, what's the one thing that fans in Toronto always get chirped for? There's no Uh, emotion. There's no noise. There's no, right. So I loved it. And I love the fact that Kucherov didn't get pouty. They did it to Pasternak too. And I kind of like the fact that he comes skating out, they call his name, they boo him, and he grabs his jersey and kisses the Bruin logo on the front. Like, good on him. Play the villain up a little bit. And that was kind of the biggest show of the weekend, I think, is who has a personality and who doesn't. They put a lot of guys on the spot, and a lot of guys were kind of thrown curveballs, and some of them ran with it. Some of them were able to play. Others um, seemed like they were giving post-game interviews, and it was pretty hard to watch. McDavid but (laughs) you know I mean honestly Matthews was okay like to not to rip on McDavid too much like Matthews isn't too much better than him like he gives a little chuckle here and there but he's not exactly you know the character of the team Matthews face when Makar hit that 102 mile an hour shot (laughs) that was pretty crazy yeah (laughs) I love uh, all the edits of that. Like they've got Tate McRae walking out for her performance and then it's like him just. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all in all, it was, it was a pretty good weekend of events. I mean, I missed the actual all-star game itself because I had a party to go to on, on Sunday afternoon, but, um, or when was it Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, I was Saturday. Yeah. I was baking stuff for the party. So I was busy anyway. So um, the events leading up to it, though, like starting Thursday with the draft, it was 
a little strange. Uh, drafts are not something that the NHL is known for doing well in an entertaining way. It was it was funny seeing Michael Bublé like a little out of it and then getting the answers, like putting everything together that he was in fact on trips and did not know where he was. Uh, I didn't know if that came out before, but I, I saw that news after the draft. So yeah, it, was, it answered a lot of questions. Um, I don't know. What did you think of the draft? The draft I didn't watch live, but I did end up like watching through it again. Um, I thought it was fun. Like they did that. Oh God, when was it? Probably almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. And same thing. It was a little fun at that point. It's you see a different side of the athletes, right? Some guys who have maybe had a couple. Although this time they didn't get that much of a chance to because they were actually out on the ice. Yeah. And the reports last time were that like in 2015, they were pretty loaded. Like every commercial break, they were talking their drinks up. Yeah. So what it's interesting you bring that one up. So the comparison that I would make is like the 2015 one felt like a schoolyard, like gym class kind of picking teams vibe because they weren't on the ice in front of this big crowd. It was kind of in a studio and they were more intimate and closer, like going one by one picking. Um, Or was it in a studio or was it on stage? Either way. Yeah, it was on a stage, but it it was was on stage. It wasn't in an arena. Yeah. The way they had it set up, they were all closer together and it was less grandiose. And I think that that felt more like you're getting to know the athletes and seeing them in a different light instead of putting the athletes in the GM's shoes and like reading picks out like it's it's the rookie draft. You know, like that's kind of what it felt like they were trying to put little fun spins on it. But um, I mean, we heard Matthews wanted to make this trade happen, you know, just for shits and gigs where the Hughes boys would pick. Um, Mitch and then they would have to trade for him and it would be this whole thing and the NHL is like nah we're not we're not doing that see they should have done it anyways yeah like that's fun but you know I had a feeling when he made such a little speech before picking Willie that it was going to be kind of a thing of like going into it I didn't know if the four guys were going to be together, you know, none of us did or how they were going to pick. So it was funny to see Matthew say like, you know, obviously you got to pick like uh, Willie first. And it was like, Oh, a little, sh- little like cheap shot to Mitch there, but it's between boys I like to see it. Um, but Willie paid more. Yeah. And then um, it just, it could have gone more fun. You know, it, it could have been more fun if, if Mitch was on a different team, but instead it just seemed kind of like, you know, the Leafs together against a bunch of all-stars, which is fun. But again, I didn't watch the game, but I do like the the team that they picked. I think their team and Hughes were the best two on paper. So I I, I don't know if it was because Patrick was actually interested in watching and, and we watched everything except the draft together. We watched the whole skills competition and all of the games together. Um, this is the most enjoyment I've got out of watching an all-star game. And I gotta be almost 20 years really yeah um could be that the leafs actually have people that deserve to be in an all-star game and not just thomas caverley going because he's the best person on the team um <laughs> yeah we're not the the boon jenner of the league <laughs> yeah um i mean shout out to boone who scored two goals they did they changed it up and they changed it up well, I think, with the little changes that they did because it actually put real hockey skills on the table. Okay, last year they tried to do a beach scene because it was down in Florida. I get it. 
they attempted something, and that's the one thing we always shit on the NHL for is not trying things. Yeah, and I think the same so, with Vegas. They tried to wrap Vegas into the whole theme of the uh, weekend, and I think you kind of have to. Like, we would be saying the same thing. We would say, be saying the opposite if they went to Vegas and didn't do anything gambling related with the All Star Game. Like, you know, you're there, you take advantage of it. So, yeah, no, exactly. But I, I think they did it really well, and. As silly as it is, because these players all make so much money, the fact that you put money on the line gives them that little extra edge because these guys are so competitive. They wouldn't make it to the NHL without being competitive. Oh, yeah. So the fact that there's that little extra something to play for, they were actually trying. It was awesome to see. I wonder, too, if because it was in Toronto, if it falls under the Canadian, like, laws of winning something like that because if you win on like a game show in the states you owe tax on it and quite a bit so i'm wondering if this is taxed because it's in canada or not because it's through the nhl it might be in u.s dollars and might be like it depends on where they're getting paid i think but yeah i can pretty much guarantee it's probably in u.s dollars but they get paid based i know they get paid in usd but they get paid based on where they're playing right like if they play in you know, Carolina, they get paid in Carolina, right? Like they have to pay tax there for that away game. So maybe yeah. at an all-star game in Toronto, they didn't have to pay tax on that million. And that's a little bit more incentive to, uh, to go for it. Who knows? Could have been. Uh, so, but, but yeah. yeah, I think, and, and then with the draft, sorry, um, the, the celebrity coaches, GMs, whatever you want to call them. Initially, I thought it was a little bit of a gimmick and I didn't like the thought of it, but I think it was really well done. Because they actually got involved. They actually, I think they helped bring some of the players out of their shell. And surprisingly yeah. enough, the one who was most laid back during the draft was actually Bieber. Yeah, he was like sitting on the stage at one point, I noticed. I was like, what What are you doing, buddy? Like, get in here. Pump your guys up. Like, ugh, these are your friends. So you tell everybody. Hang out with them. Make it look like it. Uh, but no, it was fun seeing Will Arnett come out with a Leafs hat and stand beside <laughs> McDavid and Dreisaitl. That was amazing. And look, we were all calling that for weeks. As soon as they announced him, we're like, what, you're going to put the biggest Leaf celebrity fan with McDavid? Like, okay, let's <laughs> see what he does with that. Um, Tate McRae was, I think, the publicity that they wanted Tate McRae to bring. I'll <laughs> leave it at that. It it got a lot it got a lot of attention on you know negative and positive so no idea who she was beforehand so she apparently um, people were saying oh, TikTok star I don't know who this is she's not a TikTok star she no. uh, is tw- twenty twenty one I think twenty or twenty one she at thirteen years old was on so you think you can dance and was like runner up or something it's like one of the youngest people on that um, and has since been you know dancer singer launched a singing career at you know 17 or 18 and has put music out since then uh and famously dated and is no longer dating cole sillinger so there were lots of fun memes around that how she made it to the all-star game before he did um by his own doing but you know <laughs> that was fun i saw a couple comments but i didn't really know the backstory there uh, he, she's a massive flames fan yeah he allegedly cheated on her so Everybody's like, bro, like she's now going to be the, you know, like for right now, at least she's the Taylor Swift of hockey. It's the the girl who's, you know, the face of, of that. Yeah, I'm not, I don't need to say it, but, um, 
Yeah, and so he fucked up. That's all. Anyway, the other one, Michael Bublé, huge curveball of him being on shrooms. I think that was some unexpected fun that the NHL definitely did not want, but uh, I think everybody got a good laugh out of it. Um, He was definitely entertaining, a lot more entertaining than I expected him to be and a lot more vocal than I expected him to be. He just put out a song with Jason Derulo. Like, I don't know what this guy's doing lately. Like, it just whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> well, at this point in his career, why not, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, draft was, eh, it was fine. I think some of the, everybody said it was kind of cringe. Even some of the players were like, it, it felt a little cringe. So, you know, I think to the, the thing of the skills competition, comparing it to the, the last two where we had Vegas and Florida. I mean, I think the problem with those ones was that the actual implication of switching between live events on TV like that just didn't, it didn't work. Like they don't have enough time to put these things together and test it out that they can, you know, jump between hosts in different locations and check in on things when like people don't really understand the games that are being played and, you know, making people hang around for three hours to find out who wins something was just not good. Uh, I think they had something there, but it's a combination somewhere in the middle of what we saw this weekend where it's like strictly skills stripped down and uh, and kind of the whimsical leaning into uh, the location you're at. But I mean, you're in Toronto, so it's it's hockey town. It makes sense to just make it a, a really gr- uh, grand skills competition, which well, it was. Plus, it was nice having all the players in the same location again, right? Because then you have the players mic'd up and you can see them and hear them talking on the bench when other players are, are doing competitions and then see their reactions and stuff like Matthew's reaction. That was gold. Something so simple, but if everybody split up in different locations, you wouldn't have seen that. Yeah. And I think it, it gives fans something to brag about, about a player on their team if they win something. Whereas like nobody cares who won the beach golf, you know, like that's not something you hold on to, or I like, I couldn't tell you who won it, but you know, people are going to remember who won hardest shot for the whole year. And, Next year, it's going to be, you know, who's going to break Elias Patterson's 102 point, whatever it was like. Kale McCarr. What was it? Kale? Kale, Kale McCarr won that. Oh, fuck. Sorry. <laughs> I kind of swore. Oh, no. Patterson won it last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Well. I think um, so. I guess the the thing we close on is that they announced they're changing the structure of this, and they're going to do it every other year um, or every four years, depending on what other tournaments are going on. I think we have the whole schedule laid out there. Do you have it? The like what was here? I can pull it up quick. Oh um, no, I don't. I don't have that up in front of me. So next we, year they're bringing in. Next year was the Four Nations Cup, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I guess it's a throwback to the old like Canada Cup format. Um, ideally, I think they probably would have wanted to do another World Cup, but they don't want to do a World Cup without Russia. Understandably, Russia is not would not be invited right now. So, if you want to do this format, you got to make do with something else. In yeah. which, go ahead. No, I, it it's the the four nations thing. Like I, I get it because you don't really. Besides Russia, you don't really have enough players to make up a full team of just NHLers, I don't think. Like, what would your sixth team be? 
Um, Czechia would probably be pretty close. I, uh, I don't know if you'd have like a team that can compete with the other five, though. Like, I think. Okay, you say that, but every Olympics, Latvia comes out of nowhere and scares the shit out of Canada. Yeah, but they're <laughs> they're not. That's uh, yeah, but that's not NHLers. That's like random fucking. We haven't seen NHLers like best on best do this in a while. So uh, I don't really know where I was going with that, but it's just, <laughs> I, I think it's, it makes sense that you have these four. Um, it'll be fun to see because it's like a pre Olympics, I guess it's almost like, uh, what do you call it? Like a, an exhibition for the Olympics. Yeah, kind of. Um, it, it, it will be good because it'll be our first, and potentially only chance to see like McDavid and Crosby together. Yeah. So that was one thing I wanted to bring up. So we've got like from the hockey writers here. Um, this is from Tony Wolak. This is Canada's projected roster for 2026 Olympics. I know a lot of different people have posted these, but this is the one I'm going to use for conversation's sake. Uh, McDavid, Point, Marner, McKinnon, Crosby, Bedard, Stamkos, McCann, Verhage. Nugent Hopkins, Cousins, Stone, and then Robert Thomas and Zach Hyman as extras. I've seen other ones where Zach Hyman is in and uh, Stamkos is the extra. <clears throat> Defense, we've got Josh Morrissey, Kale McCarr, Thomas Shabbat, Jacob Chikrin, Shea Theodore, Dougie Hamilton, Darnell Nurse, Evan Bouchard. So far, I like this team. That is a this- terrible team. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I don't like this team. Goaltending, Aiden Hill, Tristan Jari, Logan Thompson. I don't think Logan Thompson's going to be. I mean, he could be by then, but we don't really know right now. He's been injured and not played a ton. Um, Aiden Hill, giant question mark, just won a cup and got paid. We'll see how that holds up. Tristan Jari, like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Canada's really fallen behind with regards to goalies in the past. Well, really decade. Yeah. Since Um, Carey Price. Well, well, you go back even farther than that. You had Broder, you had Luongo, you had Price in there. Like you had so many different Canadian goaltenders. Kujo, no, I mean, since, if you go back since further. Price, who is who has been like a otherworldly Canadian goalie? Yeah, no, that's a like flurry, but he hasn't even been. He's just been more steady, not necessarily all world. Yeah, it's been the the Russians really that have been leading goaltending lately. Absolutely. Russia, Finland had a little spurt there, and then Russia has just dominated goaltenders for the last little while. Is Hellebuck Russian? No, he's American. Oh, wild. Um, so Connor, like, I guess. Duh. We would be looking at, like, I hate saying it, like Skinner, Thompson. I've seen Skinner on Jari. some of them, too. Like, I don't really like the idea of taking Hill. I would be more prone to taking Thompson than Hill because I think there's a lot more upside there. Yeah. Like looking Unless... at the U.S.'s goalies, oh my God. Like Jake Ottinger, Connor Hellebuck, Spencer Knight. Stop. Like that's so much better. <laughs> I know Spencer Knight's not like uh, not there yet, but we're talking 2026 if things continue on. And you know, I mean, obviously I just kind of said the same in the opposite direction for the other guys, but I think you know, as the third guy that's better than potentially Logan Thompson, you're betting on being your starter in 2026. We're basically hoping that 
like Devin Levi or Nico Dawes just lives up to their potential massively in the next year and a half. Yeah. What about Joseph Wall? <laughs> or is he American? He's American. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, because it was him and Ian Scott were the two that went against each other, and Scott was the Canadian one. He retired. Um, so like, team of, No, go ahead. So, sorry, so the list you read there, like, I, I know it sounds so silly, but your your top four defense is pretty much set. Theodore Petrangelo, they play together already. Makar and Taves. You would bring Petrangelo in 2026? I can't see why not. How old is he right now? What, 33? Uh, that's a stab in the dark. I honestly have no idea. Not Alex. Alex Petrangelo is 34. So. Mm, he'd be 36. So he's borderline. I mean, over Josh Morrissey, Kale McCarr, Thomas Shabbat, Jacob Chikrin, Shea Theodore, J- Dougie Hamilton, Darnell Nurse, Evan Bouchard. Like, our, Darnell Nurse, Evan Bouchard, I wouldn't. Well, Evan Bouchard, I would. Darnell Nurse, I wouldn't bring. But like over Morrissey, McCarr, Shabbat, Chikrin, Bouchard, Hamilton, Theodore, like which one would you take out to bring Petrangelo? Well, my, like if I had to do D for that team, I'd do Theodore, Petrangelo, McCarr, Taves, uh, Morrissey, Dobson, and then I would have Riley and Montour as my extras. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Again, this is just, I'm going off hockey writers here. I don't have like mm-hmm. a full list of Canadians and I don't remember them all off the top of my head, but those are also... forward wise. I think, I think it would be a mistake not to have Nick Suzuki there. He is grown yeah, into be almost, almost like today's version of Taves. Like he can do a little bit of everything. He can score. He can play defense. He can do it all. Um, Seth Jarvis, I think would be a dark horse to be an extra going there. And then yeah, Travis take... Konechny. I would take Suzuki over maybe like Dylan Cousins, depending on where he's at then. 100%. Uh, Jared McCann's also a like real, like maybe depends on where his career's at in two years. I mean, he last year was crazy. I don't think he can repeat that. Hyman, I think, deserves a shot there. Robert Thomas, too, I think, has just played on a, such a shit team. Um, otherwise, see, I, see, I, I, I like this one. I would do Hyman, McDavid, Marner. Horvat, Crosby, McKinnon, Point, Stamkos, and Stone. And then I would have McCann, Suzuki, and Bedard with Jarvis and Konechny as extras. Yeah, Konechny is another one that didn't make this but has made other people's list. So definitely, like, forward and D, there's so many choices and there's not really a wrong build. It's going to be more like through the tryouts who plays well together and what the coaches think is going to work more than it is like, Oh shit, who's going to be a net. Like that's the one that scares me. Cause I mean, it's kind of the same with the States here. I mean, just going through their forwards, we've got Kachuk and Kachuk with Matthews. That's horrifying. Uh, Robertson, Hughes, Eichel, Kyle Connor, Larkin, Thompson, uh, Gaudreau, Beneers, Keller, Caulfield and Besser. Then we've got Quinn Hughes, Charlie McAvoy, Wrensky, Fox, Slavin, Pesci, Sanderson, Hughes. I think defense, we might have the upper edge on them. Like they have a couple of good ones, obviously, but I think on the whole, um, there's probably about 10 Canadian defensemen you could pick from. Whereas I think 
USA looks like they would go with, I don't know, the six by default that are the best. Did you say Truba there for the States? No. He's another one. He yeah, like his his grit. Yes, he can take penalties here and there, but his grit would definitely be something that would be yeah. wanted. Over, I mean, Pesci, Slavin, Sanderson. I don't know. We'll see where everybody's at there. And then goaltending, like I said, Ottinger and Hellebuck is uh, a scary one too. Yeah, this is but, like fucking hard, man. This four nations and the uh, um. Olympics are going to be tough, Canada and U.S. And that's not even taken into account, like what Sweden and Finland and um, I guess in the Olympics, we would have an Olympic athletes from Russia team. Um, like I I'm not sure. Not. Last time, last time they really the Olympic athletes of Russia, but that was because of the doping, was it not? Right. Not because um, of war. Has there been an Olympics since then? Ukraine. Twenty twenty two would have been the last Winter Olympics. Twenty yeah, twenty twenty two Winter Olympics. Russia. Yeah, Russian Olympic Committee athletes at the 2022 Olympic Winter Games. But I think that was still because of the doping issues, yeah, due not to the because of the doping scandal. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, but they were there. Well, yeah, but doping is a completely different. Not that it's right, but it's a completely different scenario than. No, no, no. no but I'm saying 20. But was that not? Because this was from the, yeah, the 4th of February to the 20th of February 2022. Was the war not going on then? Oh, my God. It's 2024 already. My Mm -hmm. timeline might be completely off. When did that? (laughs) Sorry, guys. We're getting a little off topic here. But when did this start? And the Leafs are back tonight, guys. Just so you know. Yeah, we'll get to the Leafs. When did this start, though? (laughs) This is going to, because this actually matters of whether we're going to see Russians play or not. Fighting a dog. Prelude to full. Okay. So it happened four days after the Olympics ended. Sounds about right. That's crazy. See, this is why we do these things. Things like, okay, guys, I'm not crazy. I'm not going on tangents. This, I do these things because there's entertainment at the end of it. Uh, so four days after the Olympics ended. So we do not know really what's going to happen with uh, 2026 as far as Olympic athletes from Russia or not. That would be interesting. Because otherwise, that would be the last time that a lot of Russian athletes would get to represent their country, right? Or not represent their country. (laughs) Literally. Oh, yeah. Because, like, Vasilevsky, not that he's old, but... This would probably be his only chance at the Olympics. Ovi, I doubt he'd still be playing at well with how he's playing this year. I don't think he'd be still playing at that point. Unless unless he just randomly goes on like a a farewell tour and lights it up next year. And what is he, 38? Yeah, I think if he's 40 
and they're like they're able to go i think they'd bring him just because like oh absolutely they're the, you they're have defending to. like chance to win it and finally get Ovi a gold medal 100% they'd bring him but it might be like a a yager thing from the 2010 olympics where he's still good but he's a shell of what he used to be I mean, that's fine, but I think just for the hockey history of it all, like you have to have this happen. Like Crosby, Bedard, McDavid, Ovechkin, like these guys have never had a chance to play against each other on a world stage. Like this is insane. Um, Thanks, Batman. Yeah. Add that to the laundry list of things that I don't want to get into tonight. Uh, So... You know, finally, a positive one for him, a W. We are going back to the Olympics 26 and 30. So that's something to look forward to, as well as a couple others. Uh, But back to the all-star part of it, I do like that they're taking two years at at least between them because it gives them a chance to properly put this event together. Because like I said earlier, the biggest hurdles have been, you know, trying to put these together so last minute and, and rushed. Like um, I heard Dangle say, you know, somebody on the inside the week of like last Tuesday was like they were worried about a couple things not being ready. So, you know, this comes together quite quickly. So I think having more time for the host um, t- host city, I was going to say nation we're talking about the Olympics, the host city to figure out, you know, what kind of events they want to do in the NHL to hire the right people to organize it. So, you know, it's not taking up their time. I don't know. I think we'll see better events with hopefully fingers crossed. Oh my God. Wasn't this announced a year ago? What? That Toronto was getting the all-star game. Yeah. But a year in advance is different than, you know, you have two or four years in advance to put something together. Like, well, yeah, but a year is still a long time. If you're serious about it, you put people on it, that that is their job to focus on this. Well, I think what what it comes down to is you can plan everything, but I don't think they have a lot of time because the players aren't available to do dress rehearsals of things. They don't have a lot of time to test out how these things work. They don't have time to do any kind of, you know, writing for the players. Like they don't have a lot of time to come up with what they're going to do with them because the players, I don't know. I just think that because they're not available to them to practice anything or to run through anything that they just don't really know until they get there. So hopefully having a little more time, maybe in the off season, they can at least give the guys a heads up of what's going to be coming. So it's not such a like, eh, I don't know. They, they all seem caught off guard. And I think the more involved the players are and the more fun they're having, the more fun it is to watch. And this year they did get close with it. Oh, yeah. And hey, those like I said, this jerseys, year was the best year for a long time. Those jerseys, I think they helped. Like it really set that kind of childish like schoolyard penny vibe of like everyone pick a color and these are your teams i'm i did not like them when they first came out like they had a little bit of a an old school like 1940s feel to them so that was kind of neat but i was like ah nah they're kind of they're kind of lame i don't overly like them but then seeing them on the ice they were actually a lot nicer than i expected the only thing i still don't like is the font on the and the name on the bottom at the back it's that no name thing that bieber took for the drew house stuff that i cannot get over like i love the front i like the bright primary colors and the huge logo i think it's it's current and fun i just i really don't like the the number and the letter on the back it's just i don't know weird meanwhile i still have a tim biebs toque in a bag in my closet because i was crazy when that happened (laughs) That's going to be worth something someday. 
All right. Okay. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, what uh, What else came out of that? There was something else that he announced, wasn't there? Oh, we had some expansion uh, news. There was a bunch of other teams. <laughs> bunch of cities wanted to join. But also uh, the Coyotes finally bought uh, some land. So hopefully we'll be getting an arena for those guys and they're sticking around. Here, Bettman gives a list of six possible NHL expansion cities. Uh, buh, 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 buh. Seems to be an increasing... There seems to be an increasing and vibrant expression of interest in having an NHL team in places uh, there aren't. <laughs> it's my my best Gary Batman impression for the night. Uh, where else we got? I can't find the list of fucking cities. Let me guess. Utah, Atlanta, Houston, Kansas, Quebec. Very close. Houston, Atlanta, Cincinnati, Kansas City, Omaha, Nebraska. At some point or another, he did say Quebec in one of the interviews. Oh, Omaha's in Nebraska. Yeah. When asked about Quebec City, um, a place that was not mentioned but already has an NHL rank, if we decide to expand and Quebec City expresses the type of interest necessary to make it happen, then we'll review. That's an absolute Bettman non-answer. Yeah, pretty much. I think the whole announcement of... Utah having an arena was basically the NHL just passive aggressively telling the Coyotes that they need to shit or get off the pot. Yeah. I mean, when you have a lineup like that, it's not just Salt Lake City. It's, you know, oh, the way that I read this initially was like, oh, Salt Lake City didn't scare you guys enough to get your shit together. Here's a list of six more. And then immediately Arizona's like, hey, we bought land. We bought land. Batman. See, see, here's the paper. Holy shit, please don't sell us. Like, he scared the shit out of them. It, was, it worked. Uh, man, of those, though, I think... Uh, fuck, you gotta do Quebec City. I drove by that arena last year, and it is huge. Huge. Like, you can see it forever, and it's, like, in the best location in Quebec City there. Um, Atlanta... The, only, I, the NHL's not gonna mess with their division format again. If they're going to move a team from the West, they're going to keep it in the West. <clears throat> oh, no, I'm conference thinking... format because they're half and half right now. Yeah, right? I'm talking expansion because, I mean, I think the because of the fact that the NHL has so many Canadian teams, like you could technically go up to 36 and it be viable. Like you're shaking your head, but I mean, it. The, every other league has one Canadian team and there's 30 teams or th- you know, 32, right? So. Yeah, but every other league isn't Canada's game. Yeah, but uh, that's fair. We don't need 400 teams in the league. Like, no, but I do like the idea of more jobs in the league. The talent pool. It's not thinning the talent pool. It's 2024. Of course it is. You think there's only 300 guys who can play hockey well enough to be in the NHL? Well, there would definitely be about 30 AHL players who would be licking their chops and happy for an expansion team to come in. Okay, here's the thing. There are guys that that become AHLers because there's not an opportunity. Like, how often do we talk about with Robertson and Nyes? This is the original six. No, okay. Hear me out for a second. If there isn't a spot on the team to ha- for a player that is supposed to develop into a first or second line player to play, 
then they won't do that. Like, look at what we saw with Vegas and Seattle. Like, those are great examples of teams that were thrown together of players that were not given a chance by other teams. Like, look at Jared McCann. That guy would not have scored that on any other team because he would not be the first line guy on another team. What happens with becoming an AHLer is because say you were on track to be a first or second line guy, like we talk about Roberts or Nyes, but that opportunity isn't there because the job is hard to to get. Like it's not every day that a guy goes down and you can take his spot and win it. So some of those guys are just destined to never fully develop and stay in the AHL. So I think in adding teams, it's not thinning the talent pool. It is giving an opportunity for more guys to get the the minutes in the NHL that it takes to become an everyday player. We still don't need to expand. You're never going to win me over on that. We're at too many teams as it is. It's I, I agree that it gets harder to win for a team that has not won since 1967. But I think, um, okay. I think two things. I think the league needs to figure out their own, audience issues and broadcasting and you know there's a lot of things that are wrong that need to be solved before we start adding multiple teams at the same time i think that having a bigger audience might solve some of those problems until you can have every team in your league be financially stable without the assistance from other teams you should not be expanding that that's kind of yeah that's what i was saying last time is that like it's a bit of so it'll never uh, happen. It's a bit of a Bernie Madoff type scheme where you're just taking the billion dollar expansion fee to pay off the fact that the Coyotes are in the hole. It doesn't really work that way. So until the Coyotes arena is off the you know actually built and they're in it, and the Sens new arena is built and they're in it, like I don't think you can. And Calgary needs a new arena. Like there's a lot of things within the league that need money. Um, and I know, again, you get the expansion fee and that goes right to the owners and it helps with these things. I just, again, it just seems like you're making a problem bigger before you're fixing it. Like we don't, we can't watch these games and you're going to make more games unavailable to people. Like I think they, they need to wait until the new, uh, whether it's Netflix or Amazon or Apple, whoever swoops in and picks up these broadcast rights, it needs to be all kind of amalgamated in one place before they expand this because once it's easy to watch in one place you can have 36 teams and have everybody in one place with live chats going and and people interacting and shit because it's all there like that's where this is all going but i think to do that beforehand would just be a little premature because right now this league is not in a sustainable um state oh 100 percent, it isn't and it hasn't been for a long time because you have the big teams that you know, they have enough money. They could literally pay for enough players to have two full teams. And then you have other teams who can't even pay their fucking rent. Yeah, exactly. Um, Because we haven't talked about the Leafs, I do want to close on one thing with the Leafs here. So Ryan Reeves comes back after mentioning that he should be playing. He's sad that he's not playing, but his knees suck. Um, Kind of a, I'm not hurt, but I'm not a hundred percent healthy. And then immediately we see the Leafs take him off of IR and by a weird string of coincidences, add Pertuzzi to IR because his child happens to be born that day. So that kind of covered them there. It seemed like the league was starting to sniff around and they had to get 
Reeves back in the lineup before they were like, hey, we're going to do an evaluation to see if this guy is actually hurt or not. So, well, he couldn't even walk down the stairs that game that he got. got Oh, I know. I'm not saying the guy's healthy. He said he needs knee braces to be able to get out of bed and like play and practice. And, you know, it's it's crazy. He shouldn't be playing. But so he because he claims he's healthy and the Leafs have a bit of a history of at least people accusing them of hiding guys on IR that are not, in fact, hurt. So to avoid this again with the loophole situation, they bring him off IR. They throw Bertuzzi on. Thank God that was available. And uh, well, once if I remember correctly, McMahon went on IR, not Bertuzzi. It, Bertuzzi was placed on for the sake of leaving that day. He was placed on non-roster, but not IR. Oh, I thought it. Okay. So McMahon went to IR and he went. Yeah. Okay. So this opens up a spot. Reeves gets in. And of course he scores. Of course he does, because that just highlights the fact that I'm supposed to be here. I'm healthy. And now the Leafs are fucked. Right. So I, what I think happened here, tinfoil hat is they went. So, um, since Bertuzzi or since uh, Reeves here opened his mouth and told the media that he's not hurt, uh, somebody's getting hurt at practice today, and whoever you know, whoever's lapped is the slowest is taking a shot to the knuckles. And I think Yarncroke drew the short straw and uh, had someone meet him in the back alley after practice, and they had to put somebody on IR. Like, well, no, he, he he did block a shot in one of the Winnipeg games, if I remember correctly. Nope. If you look at why they put him on, it says he broke a knuckle at practice blocking a shot. Something that conveniently has no video footage, and they just get to throw someone on and replace Bertuzzi's, or uh, Bertuzzi, Reeves' spot. So people aren't putting a light on this. There are so many little gymnastics going on to make this team financially work under this cap. This is insane. Like... We have so many, there's like, a, people are shitting on Vegas. We have like a hundred million dollar team that isn't good. <laughs> like we shouldn't be trying this hard to hide guys and hide money to be like sixth place. <laughs> like This is fucking stupid. Am I wrong? Like, I know this is a, I'm reaching here with this, but like not that far. They've had to keep somebody on IR one way or another. I'm not, my conspiracy is just that they purposely hurt yarn croaker that he's not actually hurt he might have been but it's real fucking convenient if he did get hurt oh yeah but the way the league is there's so many teams that are well over the cap and it's been that way for years like tampa made a joke of it and made t-shirts after they won the friggin cup i want to see the the leafs have five on ltir tampa has five on ltir vegas has seven montreal has five minnesota has five Devils have six. Like everyone's um, there. Okay, but the Leafs have the most expensive team in the entire league. Yeah. Projected cap hit ninety-seven million dollars. I was not that far off. I said a hundred. Second place, Tampa at ninety-two. We are five million dollars ahead of second place. It goes 92, 91, 90, 88. Like it's a million dollar split between teams and then it becomes like hundreds of thousands. We are $5 million. We are a whole Matt Murray ahead of everybody else here in how much we're spending on people. And this team 
is barely scraping by. And that's a problem. <laughs> like, I get it. We pay a lot of money for a couple guys, but those guys are carrying their weight for the most part. There's a lot of guys that are making fucking dead weight money on this team. This is bad. Yeah. Well, you're not wrong. Like, this has definitely been a a trying year compared to what we've seen over the last handful of years. And at the end of the day, we can just hope that maybe it comes back to help galvanize the team, right? Yeah, Leafs LTIR, $14,462,500. Tampa actually has $16 million worth on LTIR right now. They're more. But they're not paying their players as much somehow. Yeah, because they don't have a state income tax. Oh, fair, fair. Um, LTIR, Mikhail Sergachev, Brent Seabrook, Logan Brown. That'll do it. Well, you know, I don't know where I wanted to go with that. I just think it's worth <laughs> noting. I don't know. We, we've all been wondering where the hell Reeves is, and then all of a sudden he comes back and he scores, and ugh. It was worth it in that Winnipeg game to have him there. That's the kind of game you want him there for. It got scrappy. Tonight, in on the island, it was... Uh, I don't know. The, the fourth line had a couple good shifts, but... Uh, yeah, rough night. We'll uh, we'll talk about all of these next time, I guess, with Sadie on Wednesday, because we're getting late, but... Well, yeah, like, quick touch on them. The Leafs went into the All-Star break on a little bit of a high... Sammy looked like he was coming back. They were actually playing decent games. They still had their laps, as every team's going to have their laps. Um, coming out of the break, they actually like quite a few players had some pretty good jump. I thought Nicky Bobby was all over the place again tonight. Yeah, love to see him still in the lineup. Uh, McMahon was looking good. I I don't think I've had a single game that where I've been able to say anything negative about Gregor all year. Um. Domi had a couple shifts. Bertuzzi still snake bitten as all hell. Shaving oh his head God. didn't help. The amount of times that I see him, like, he'll grab the puck and he's along the boards and he's like, all right, I'm breaking out. And then he takes that stride and he leaves the puck behind him. It's like, oh, you can see it on his face. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's just little things that he just, he's, he thinks he's there and then it's like, it, it just slips off the stick. Maybe put tape on your stick. That'll help. Oh, yeah, that might help. Um, but, like, tonight isn't one of those games where, you know, we were drastically outcoached or they played absolutely horribly. Like, yeah, there were lapses. A lot of the guys have been off for, you know, five, six, seven, eight days. So some of that's to be expected. We had chances. We had a lot of good play. We just we couldn't solve Sorokin tonight. No. And uh, guess who scored the game winner? <laughs> Literally, there was one point in like the second period where he had a chance, and I was like, "Oh my god, is Pierre Engvall going to score this one? Tie it up? Nope, he's going to score the fucking game winner." Uh. So, if if Joseph Wall can't come back healthy, then I want Brad to find some way to do it. Go get UC Saros. Honestly, that should be doable because Nashville is a whole lot of nowhere right now. Like they're they're not in a position to have a goalie as good as him. Like it, they really should sell on him as soon as they can because he's. 
I mean, he's not old, but like he's not getting any younger. How old is UC Saros? He's he's such a good goalie. He's been so consistent for this so is long. The time. Twenty-eight. Sell him. You have to pay a hell of a premium to get him, but what's his uh, contract right now? Five mil for the next two years. Oh my good god! Get him. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. I mean, look. I think Joseph Wall has the potential to be a starter, but it's like, how much can this team afford to spend on on a really good goalie? Like, I mean, I think with what the way this team is built, like, I don't think five mil on your goalie is really doable at the end of the day on one of them. I don't think you've built this team in a way that needs UC Soros. Like, as 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 much as I I agree that. Nashville should sell on him like I just I think that as much as we talk about this team it's it's four guys and fill it in with 800k contracts and hopefully spend four and a half five on both goalies total well yeah but unless you have Sammy play the rest of the season like he was before the break or you have Joseph Wall come back like you need someone to stop the puck and oh, then you how, need to trade one of the core four. With how this team has been performing up to this point in the season, you not only do you need someone that can stop the puck, but you need someone who can stop a lot of pucks. Then you need to trade one of the core four because this team is built in a way that if the four of them are not getting it done and that doesn't work and the rest of the team built around them is not built to pick up the rest of the pieces, then... You've you've failed for the year. Like I I'm really like Rad's got a month to get his shit together before I'm you know a little lost on this team for the rest of the year. I don't know, man. Trade Sammy and Camp, and that covers Saros. <sighs> yeah, and I think if you can get Bertuzzi somewhere, like it's just not working. As much as it'd be, it's going to suck because he's going to do great somewhere else. But, like, he's just, it seems like they're just hoarding him to not be on another team. Like, they just don't want to go against him. So they'd rather hold him for the five and a half mil. And it just seems like we're we're February, man. Like, guy's got a goal in 29 games. Yeah, it's, he he's still the type of player that you would want come playoff time. And it'd be different if he wasn't trying, if he was, you know, looking like Kudrov did in the skills competition. But he's all over it. He's everywhere. He's just been so snake bitten. Yeah. And I don't know how you solve that, like, after this long. Like, is he all of a sudden going to find it in March? Like, fuck. You could, you only have so much runway with this guy, especially on the one-year deal. Like, I don't know. At the same time, he's spending his own money every day that he doesn't score. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know what kind of contract this guy's going to look for in the offseason, but someone's going to get a deal because he's going to turn it around. It's just, this is not his year. That being said, he's already almost matched his point total for last year. Really? He did get traded midway last year. He had 14 points with the Red Wings and 16 with the Bruins last year. He's at 20 this year. So he's only 10 points away. There's still half season left. Yeah, but that's taking him from a shitty Detroit team that was he was barely playing and then 
and then putting him on an outstanding Bruins team and he still had the same point production. Because he was like a third line guy. Yeah, a high end high one of the higher end players on the Red Wings going to one of the third line guys on the Bruins and this point total basically stayed the same. Yeah, high like top, top higher minutes on a shit team versus less minutes on a good team is not going to be the same as being on the second line on the Leafs. Like it's just not the same situation. I, I, I thought your whole look at his point. On, I thought your whole spiel on expansion was even if they're on a shit team, as long as a player gets an opportunity on the top line, then they produce better. That's taking out of context <laughs> what I said completely. <laughs> It takes more than fucking <laughs> four months for that to happen. Look at Bertuzzi's point total the year before, though, on Detroit. Mm-hmm. Like, and look at the year before that. Well, I guess the year before that, he only played nine games. Sorry. Yeah, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's there, and he's going to find it again. I just... I don't know if he's going to find it this year, and if you can get something for him at the deadline, it might be worth it. Like, if, it, if he's going to be fucking useless for april it's just gonna seem like a waste but again like who do you sell them to and what do you get like do you give them to a playoff opponent for a pick that's gonna suck like what's the point if he's going to a playoff team you gotta trade him to the west you can't trade him in the same conference yeah exactly so really like what do you what are you looking to get back and what playoff bound team is gonna give you like a player swap for bertuzzi I mean, he's kind of an interesting candidate for that, like we just saw with Lindholm and Kuzmenko, where, you know, a player who's potentially, who who has the potential and has put up the points before, but is having an absolute garbage dog shit year, um, swapped for another one. I mean, you know, we just saw it happen. It's it's not out of the, the question, but I mean, what do you want back for him and were people willing to pay with how badly he's played this year? And do you have to pay to have someone take him? That's that's the thing. You got to have it, it's got to be the right scenario and the right trade. Like it would. Speaking of Calgary, would they do something similar, Bertuzzi for Hannafin? Uh, maybe, but I don't think they're taking calls from Trey. <laughs> what I think would be interesting is if you can flip him to. Like in a three-way trade, like send him to a, a team that's not going to the playoffs that then flips him for a, a first-round pick to a team that is. Because like, say you trade him to Columbus, for example, and get a defenseman out of it, and then Columbus trades Bertuzzi within that same trade to another team for like a first. Yeah, there's the potential of that happening. Then The only thing with that is then you can't control where he's going. I mean, do you care, though, if you get a better return because you're trading him to a team that's not cap-strapped and playoff-bound and let it be their problem? Typically, that type of thing, though, the team is just basically brokering salary. They're not actually looking for the players, so they will charge you for the fact that they're doing that. Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, if Columbus wants to trade one of their guys for a first, they could, like the guy that they were going to give to the Leafs, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a way to make it happen, and there's also a way that in the next three weeks he figures his shit out, so, I don't know. But that's kind of all I've got for tonight, and I think we hold off till Wednesday. Sounds good. Cool.
Thanks, Tim. And uh, thanks, Justin. We'll see you next time. Every game. Oof. Yikes.